Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. everyone and welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I am Ross Hillier, your host, and today I was very excited to bring you Luke Day, the head football strength and conditioning coach at the University of South Carolina. Uh, like a lot of people that I've interviewed in the last handful of weeks or months, uh, actually, it's been about a month now, uh, in the last month. They are people that I got to meet at Summer Strong down in South Carolina last May, and uh, I was really impressed with Luke. He gave the opening talk on the second day, uh, 8 a.m., first thing in the morning, first one to go on day two, and just brought the energy that everybody needed after a very long and very fun-filled day one, and it just fired everyone right up. And his content, uh, his topic of choice for his presentation was what really inspired me and drew me to want to talk to him more uh, because a lot of these places, you get a lot of the X's and O's, and Luke's presentation had none of that in a good way. Way. It was all about how to develop relationships with the people that you coach if you are a coach or just people in general. And most specifically, what does love actually mean when that's a lyric right there? But what, uh, what does love mean when you're in the relationship as, as a coach or a mentor to the person that you're working with? And so I really wanted to bring him on to talk to him more about that. And I, I promise you guys, he delivered. This was a fantastic conversation. Uh, we get into a little bit of his history about him leaving football back in 2014 to pursue ministry and, and how that wasn't what he thought it was going to be. And then ultimately came back through the NFL and then went back into college had some up and down experiences and the things that he had learned along the way after failure and failure and, and discomfort, which really was the interwoven theme throughout this whole conversation was the benefits and the importance of discomfort. And, and, and through that, we get into talking about his media company called Manchild, uh, how the name came to be, what the mission of it is. And it's just a really cool project. And, and all of the slogans and the things that they're working on are really something that 
are inspiring and and just a really worthwhile endeavor. So I was really excited. This is a really great conversation. Uh, we did have a little bit of technical difficulties towards the end of the call. Uh, but other than that, this was a fantastic time. And so I really hope you guys enjoy it. If uh, you haven't already, please go to wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is, and follow or subscribe. And then if you've got the ability, wherever you listen, leave a, a five-star review, write a nice little thing. Um, those reviews, the number of them, if there's more and more happening, uh, however the algorithms work, I'm not entirely sure, but that really does get the uh, podcast in front of more people so it grows. And it has been growing. So I'm very thankful for all of you who have done that so far. Uh, and without further ado, this is the conversation I had with Luke Day. All right, Luke Day joining the Nomad Strength Show today. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm sorry that it's been this difficult to coordinate, but here we are. Oh, no problem. Life of a college coach in the yeah. summer in football. Like that's just what the <laughs> that's just part of the job, isn't it? <laughs> right. Yes. Yes, but Good deal. that is what it is. So we're here. Well, yeah, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Um, like probably the last half dozen of the interviews that I've done on this show post Summer Strong were all people that I got to meet finally at Summer Strong. Yeah, uh, which was pretty rad. You were one of the speakers that opened up day two, bright and early at eight a.m., and then came in. Yeah blaze of glory and with the energy was perfect to start the morning on the second day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you are the strength conditioning coach at University of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then you also have Manchild Media, which I actually want to talk to yeah. you quite a bit about because I think that's super okay. Rad. So um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh but one of the things that I really enjoyed about your talk at Summer Strong was it was, you know, we're in this room full of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use the word meatheads, right? Because that's essentially what we all are. And uh, right. there's a lot of X's and O's going on, a lot of things about strength and how to, you know, all the, the fine tuning things. And then what you talked about was none of that, actually. And it was mm -hmm. all about the relationship part of being a coach and how to actually know the people that you're coaching and be a part of their lives. And I thought that was super inspiring. And I wanted to know kind of how that transition ended up happening for you to get to that point. Well, how did the train, the transition happened be out of failure, really uh, failure to get, you know, results from people we're supposed to get results from with athletes. And why can't we make it work with this guy? And why, you know, or, or in, in a working relationship or whatever. And then, you know, the guy that is with me here, it's, it's a rare opportunity to get to have your mentor with you as your coworker as well. And so that's what I have here with Chip Morton. And so I, I got to spend, I walked away from strength and conditioning uh, altogether in 2014 and was out of it for a whole four months before I was back. And I didn't, didn't foresee that taking place. But um, when Chip found out what I had done and why I left it, uh, that's kind of why he wanted me to be around. And he was the head strength coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati was where I was from. I had left uh, my job at the University of Central Florida because I, I, wanted, I was going to go all into in this. And since it's a naive thing to say, and I 
is I was, I'm going to go into the ministry. Well, you know, I get convicted about that now. Bob Goff, who's one of my favorite authors to read, he's like, why don't you just call doing things nice and treating people well and loving them, just call it, you know, Tuesday and stop, <laughs> stop naming it and saying you're a man, you know, it's kind of gross when you think of it. And so, but I was all in on that and drinking the Kool-Aid. If I got to go, I, you know, this is when uh, I, I need to give this up and thought I was impressing God really mm. by uh, giving up my job and thought everyone, and really expected everyone else to be really impressed by it too. And they kind of just shrugged their shoulders and kind of looked at me strange. Like, why'd you do that? And it wasn't probably three or four months later that I was like, well, why did I do that? And then, you know, thank God I got an opportunity to still be in. Every time I said, you know, out of hubris, not real, um, like acknowledgement of God, I would say, but just really chasing my own ego saying, oh, I can't, you know, I gave that up to be in ministry. And then there, there was really no ministry opportunities or, or mm. they weren't what I thought they were going to be. And then someone kept asking me to come help them in their weight room, whether it was my high school or whether it was the Cincinnati Bengals. And so then I was kind of like, you know, are you dense in the head? That is what you go help people do. And so that whole year, watching and spectating and and getting to see chip because in the nfl and it gets a knock because you're like all oh, these guys are millionaires they don't have to do it and they don't they don't have to do anything you tell them to do mm-hmm. in strength and conditioning and it's gotten even weirder now with the whole no off seasons and all that but like everything that they're going to do in the weight room for you is based off of a belief that what you're asking them to do will either allow them to play in the NFL longer or keep them healthy, or it will make them better. And it will, and they will only believe that based off of how you have related to them. And so that was just a total, just eye opening brain splitting experience Mm -hmm. to where it's like, wait a second, everything up until this point, I was just yelling to hype up my own self because I'm on a college straight coach and they have to do it. These are children. You know, two years ago, they were going to prom. And now, (laughs) like, I'm screaming at them and dog cussing them and all that kind of, because I I can't, really. That's it. I just can't. And so with these guys, you can't because they are more important than you. They are way more important than you. They get paid way more than you. Mm -hmm. And so I go, well, just because I can do that with an 18-year-old doesn't mean I should. Now, you got to be – they're immature, though, so you got to be more stern and that sort of thing with with a college athlete or a high school athlete because they're they're still kids. Mm -hmm. And there's things you do with a grown man and and the way you communicate to them should not be the same sometimes as a child uh, in, in a lot of different ways. But so that was a huge thing. And so if we're not doing that right, then who, then we don't even have to get to the X's and O's part if we don't right. start with that. That's where it all came from. Give you way too long of an answer for the no, first it's perfect. question. But that's, that's the, uh, it 
the the idea of the different types of relationships you have to have between those two groups, between the college kids and the pros guys, is something I've always kind of been fascinated by because sometimes like coaches will roll in in the in the pro level in their program with guys that are 10 years older than them and have been in the league yes. for, you know, 10, 15 years. And they're just like, well, I've been doing this longer than you've even been in the business. Like, why should I listen to you? You know, Dude, that's exactly what happened. There were guys on that team that I was in junior high when they got drafted. And I thought, you know, and I'm like, hey, we got three sets. I'm like, what am I doing? It was surreal. It was very (laughs) surreal. They were older than me or, you know, and so very, it was very, very interesting. Um, And that was, that was a, just a a high speed crash course of Mm -hmm. relatable coaching. Um, And you better learn how to do it quickly or you're going to be irrelevant immediately. Is what that yeah, was. So. there was, uh, and back to your your point when you were starting to say when you left to go do ministry, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I've I heard this, and we actually were just talking about it in a in a Bible study I was doing the other day. Um, one of my friends brought up the example where he said, uh, you know, people who are you know makers or business owners that are that are Christians or whatever want to be known as the Christian shoemaker. Right. And, yeah. and like put and yeah. like put the the fish on the back of the shoe so everybody knows instead of yeah. just make a really good shoe. That's right. And like just be the You're best exactly at right, it. Man. You know, and so that's, that's always right. and that's a really interesting like uh mindset change that I think a lot of people and probably something like yourself went through something similar to that when you when you got oh, back. Was, in. Yeah, yes, yes. I think you know I and but I you know I, I think that God he is he's gentle with us because we are trying. I mean, I think he chuckles at us (laughs) like, Oh, that's cute. That's, you know, adorable. And we think we're so serious and, you know, but like, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, man. He was a carpenter. And he, and I like to believe that he, he wanted to do that. Well, Mm -hmm. he just did it, but he wasn't signing under the table, like son of God, you know, (laughs) people thought, wow, I really need this table, whatever. But it was just, just, (laughs) let's just do what we do really well as a representation of, yeah, this is kind of aligns with what I believe. I believe Mm -hmm. if we're going to say it's about love, well, you know, you do things well for people you love. So you also Mm -hmm. better do the, you better do the X's and O's things right too, Mm -hmm. because you love Right. Not because about you. So when you get back in, when you get back in to strength and conditioning and you, and now you're, you're having this realization about kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. your whole essentially kind of philosophy around everything has got to change quite a bit. Uh, How did that work itself out? Was there a lot of just bumps in the road and stuff to go along with that as well? Uh, Yeah, it was the worst failure it could have ever been. So I get the, uh, the the head strength job at Marshall University, and they had just won like three 10 wins. One, one, I went like 13 and one one year. Really, really great streak. And Scott Sinclair, who I had worked with and for at UCF, had left Marshall uh, to take the – now he's and currently is the head strength coach at the University of Georgia. And he left. So I'm replacing, you know, and it's a pretty hot – group of five program been re- doing really, really well. And so I come in with like, guys, it's about, you know, you're going to do this because we believe in it and you really love each other. And, and like, you know, here's how we trained in the NFL and all I had it all figured out. And like three and nine, just total 
horrific season, the most selfish, awful things you could ever think of a team doing to each other. They did. And I was like, oh, what what did I do wrong here? And so what I realized is love is it's not just sometimes in the name of love. We, we try to qualify that so that we don't have to get in confrontations. Mm. And when I dug through what, what, what was my deliberate, wait a second here. I just was trying to be liked mm-hmm. and really that can get more grotesque than just being mean and hateful. At least you're that guy. Uh, so, and, and there was a, and I kind of came to the terms like if you, if you see something that could cause a team to rip itself apart but you choose not to deal with it because it's easier to just ignore well we, we, we always we say it here now no deals like mm-hmm. because if you make a deal with comfort of any kind of any kind that does not serve you well like your well-being the well-being of your team your organization whatever you are making a deal with the devil and it will get us all killed. Um, and so I, re- when I was honest with myself, is no, you, you said it was in the name of love, but you just are now trying on like a new jacket and trying to try that out as a coach. And, and what you really did was you avoided some really necessary conflict. And so you keep digging in. When you decide to do this thing in love, it's the hard, it's way harder. It is so much more complicated than if you just say, look, I'm just a strength coach. I'm just here to make you stronger. Mm-hmm. And how can I you know, help you out that way? It's way simpler that way. But when you're like, no, we're going to do this because we actually love each other. Well, you got to start really tearing that word apart as love bears all things. So we're going to get in a lot of fights with each other and it's going to be violent, you know, love it, it, but then it doesn't keep any record of wrongs either. So all that fight, you're going to have to forget it and I'm going to have to forget it. And that's going to be hard to do too. And, um, it's love is patient. Oh, that's terrible. Nobody wants to be patient. Uh, it's kind, even though you hate this person, you're telling them you love them. You don't really like them. Uh, and you got to be kind to them. So it's, it's constantly, it's called love drives out all fear. Oh my goodness. I'm scared of it. I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to talk about this. This is going to be hard. I don't want to say that to the head coach, even though I know he needs to hear it. So it love drive perfect love drives out fear because it's going to confront all of those fears first. Mm-hmm. So that's a violent, when it, something gets driven out, mm-hmm. it's usually against its own will. So there's a lot of that. So I, every day, man, I, you know, I don't have the, the corner market on loving people or athletes. <laughs> this is just, I've decided to do it this way, but it's so much more difficult, mm-hmm. but it's so much richer of an experience and a genuine human exchange than the charade of athlete coach where the kid says yes sir and then rolls his eyes or says something terrible about you when he gets in his car and so i don't want that i want whatever you were going to say you say it to me whether it's the best thing oh i can't believe you feel that way i'm so happy that makes me feel so good or the worst thing like you you know you're i hate you okay well at least that was real yeah um so that's we're, we're still on that man i'm still trying to do mm-hmm. it every day, daily, hour, minute to minute with everybody I come in contact with. The uh, the idea that you mentioned about love, 
like in the in past how we would think about it like we or we tend to think about it as like non-confrontational like if we love them that means we're just going to be do your thing we're going to love you anyways kind of thing rather than mm-hmm. you know giving hard truths whatever and one of my favorite it's come up several times in stuff that i've been reading lately and watching and uh there's a pastor named Vodi Bakum uh and mm. he has a he has a saying that he says the imaginary 11th commandment that everybody lives by is be nice uh, yeah, <laughs> where it's like, it do- yes. that doesn't mean go be mean, but it means like, you don't have to just be this kind thing and be, and have right. the tough conversations and, and be confrontational because that can actually be in done in love as well. Well, it, being honest with someone is a form of kindness. Mm-hmm. Being nice with someone is, I think they're different. I think you, you, you can omit truth or or decide altogether not to even look at that Mm. because you don't want to appear mean and really we always talk about the 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 embodiment of hatred if love is the embodiment of hope of what you think someone can be so you do all these things for them so that they can you see them through then hatred is ignoring them how do you the act of hatred is you ignore them right i mean obviously there's you know like Nazi hate where you actually seek out and destroy them and that. But if you indifference is a form of hatred too, mm-hmm. we just don't like to say that, but it absolutely is. Yeah. You know, sure. so, but yeah, I think, I think in the name of kindness, we withhold a lot of things from each other that would really benefit each other. If we actually cared about each other, like we say we do, we would not withhold. That. It's like if you were drowning and I knew how to teach you how to swim, but I just, well, you know, I don't want to make it awkward. I, we do that all day long <laughs> right. with people. <laughs> right. So. And, uh, and you had mentioned in your talk as well, like, um, the guys that are on your team, because now I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this as this timeline where, you know, you've kind of had these revelations, so to speak, and that doesn't just change everybody in the system on day one. Like that's got to kind of ripple itself out to be able to affect everybody in the program. <laughs> yeah. And you had mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that you coach, a lot of these kids that come in have just horrific lives prior to getting to you or, you know, like no dad in their life or they're, you know, in terrible situations and violence and all that kind of stuff. And so that process of getting the, everybody else bought in had to have been like just kind of this daunting task, I would imagine. It It's a, yeah, it's a never ending task. And it took 18 to 20 years to make this person behave the way they do and to Mm -hmm. just say, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to work hard. And it's because we love each other to think that that's going to fix it in an off season or fix it is a naive way to look at it. Cause it's, it's never, it never ends, Mm -hmm. you know, just like, and there's a, I think there's a verse about love. Love never ends. It never ends. So uh, you're exactly right. And, you know, I love the idea that that contempt is more comfortable. You know, so much of the things that we're doing hateful to each other is uh, because it's more comfortable than than just trying to do it right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm reading The Comfort Crisis right now, and it's just shattered me right now. It's so good. Uh, But so I I keep referencing comfort right now because it's just kind of on my frontal Mm -hmm. lobe. But the... uh, 
what was what were, oh yeah so you'll get you got to get everybody even that's even on your staff well that guy's you know that kid's a dick or whatever and i'm mm-hmm. like yes absolutely he is uh <laughs> here's here's why mm-hmm. doesn't and, and then so then you go oh well so what do we do we've kind of societally done this is uh, okay, we've taken the next step of let's figure out why this person's struggling or whatever. And then we go, well, it's not their fault. And then that's sad. And now the kid's just a pity project or that's the end of the story. Like I, we, we, you know, when we talk to kids and bring them in and we're like, um, you know, and they tell us these horrific things and trauma and watch their friends getting murdered or whatever it is, you know, we, the next thing that we have to move into is I, I'm so sorry that mm-hmm. that is the cards you got dealt with. But is that it? Is mm-hmm. this, is that, and now, now we're done? Is you just get to be traumatized, kid, and we don't move on from that? Uh, or we don't get better from that? Or we don't get out of the feedback loops that just say life is terrible and then you die, get what you can, and don't trust anybody? Because this, no, this is no way to go through this life experience or, or existence thinking like that. So then now we can start. Okay, let's acknowledge it. This is why you do this. This is why we don't get along. But you need to at least acknowledge that this is getting in your way. Mm -hmm. And you're going to at least have to uh, either through you agree with it and you you participate with us or just blunt force trauma right Mm now, uh, you just start engaging in it with us of just dealing with truth dealing with this is this is not right you did not and so um the way to make that actually happen tangibly is is we it's a yes or no to every single thing we ask you to do mm. it's you you got the rep you did not you touched the line you did not you you made the time there is not a, there's not a run a, a task, a carry, a sprint, a rep, a squat, a bench that does not have a yes or no pass or fail mm. in the program. So, because this is, this is truth. Uh, and then when you start the things that they said, yeah, I, you know, I got to get stronger. I got to get faster. Right? And then when those things are, no, you are not fast. No, you are not strong. <laughs> or you failed this. This is what this is. Well, why? Well, this is getting in, in your way because you will not live right because you don't think you have to because somewhere in, in the midst of your trauma, you have designed a posture of entitlement. Not because you're a rich, spoiled kid, because you're a poor, traumatized kid. But this, mm-hmm. the result is still the same. You are you feel entitled to not having to feel any more discomfort. And really counterintuitive to both of us, I have to make you more uncomfortable to get you to deal with the uncomfortable things that happen to you. And you don't think you should have to feel discomfort because of oh, your whole life has been discomfort. But guess what? The way out of it is more discomfort. And so it's a whole just vicious circle that we both have to willingly place ourselves in. And uh, it is it it's wild. It's entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's wild, and it's <laughs> it's uh, it it never stops. Yeah, and and I imagine part of that too is because one of the things that I loved about the way you described it in your in your talk was the the idea of being able to quantify 
very specific things and give exact definitions to certain words that are applicable in in the way that you guys talk in the program. Because there are these phrases that just get thrown around that everybody in the world uses, like work hard, right? And like somebody comes in, they're like, okay, well, whatever that I hear that all the time. And I've seen people that don't embody what I think that would mean or whatever. So you have to put a way to quantify that specifically to what you guys are talking about and Mm -hmm. make it something that is like that. Yes or no. Did I do this or didn't I do this? Right. Yep. Yep. So that, that is, what's that? I'm sorry. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I would just say that's where our X's and O's like, it, it has to fit what we're actually trying to accomplish. Like, you know, if you weren't, they're, they're kids. Like sometimes we can kind of puff ourselves up, but his bench went up 70 pounds. Well, yeah, that's because he's never benched before. (laughs) So if you bench, if you go from never benching to start benching eight weeks later, you're going to hit a PR. It's going to be unbelievable. (laughs) And so there's a lot of that where we pat ourselves on the back and do those kinds of things, but it needs to fit with what it is we're actually trying to accomplish. So yeah, we have metrics in the things we say matter. And so, and everybody says they matter. Like, so, okay, we're going to be accountable. Well, what's, what does that, what does that look like for us? What is the, define your terms. So Mm -hmm. accountability is going to be, we look like what we're supposed to look like. You you wore what you're supposed to wear. You're where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And you weigh what you're supposed to weigh when you're supposed to weigh it. Because those three things are very, very simple. But think about it. You had to put aside a lot of things the night before that could have gotten in the way of you being there on time, which being late is the most selfish thing ever because it says you you matter more than what we're doing. And then uh, you weigh what you're supposed to weigh, which means every day you have your lifestyle has aligned with what you said you want. And so that's manifesting itself on the scale. And then you wear what you're supposed to wear is a acknowledgement that this is not my time or your time. This is, you know, for a South Carolina football time. And, and there's a way that South Carolina football looks when we train. So there we have, we have actual tangible ways to be accountable. Um, so that, and then toughness is, well, what, what are you saying? What do you look like with your body language? And so, and I tell, we told them this yesterday, this, this body language thing that we're enforcing is not science backed. Like you will breathe better if you bend over, mm-hmm. but we're not going to do it. You will breathe. But if you put your hands on your head, you, if you probably will recover better, but what this toughness, it, it, the, it fits under our definition of toughness, which we define as what I'm doing is more important than how I feel is I, I, I am in control of what my body is doing. Like I'm not, if my body's telling me to bend over, I can tell it stop. And so the story we told is like, imagine you were in a boxing match and you you got cut above the eyebrow and his eyes swelling. And, you know, you get that one minute between rounds and they kind of try, they're doctoring you up and they're putting the, 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 the coin on your eye and they're trying to get swelling down. And imagine you look across the ring and the guy you're getting ready to go into round eight with just kicks the stool 
out of the ring and just stands there and stares at you for one minute. You'd be like, oh, shit, this is, he's going to kill me this next round, right? Now, <laughs> physiologically, it would have made more sense if he sat down and he rested mm -hmm. and he, and he drank some Gatorade and he spit in the, spit in the bucket and all that. But now he's like, this guy has just brought himself into submission. I'm next. Right. So that's mm -hmm. that's why our body language is is that is a is a manifestation of are we tough? And so uh, and, and our guys were like, that that makes total sense. That's why. OK. All right. I have to bring myself under submission. And so the other thing is we are getting so, do not underestimate how sophisticated we are about making things more comfortable for ourselves. Right. So somebody went out and researched posture of fatigue and found out, oh, you know, when you bend over, you actually can get more oxygen flow, so that you can say that I don't have to confront that kid to stand up anymore because scientifically it's actually better if he bends over. I'm like, yeah, I get it, but it's easier for me to not confront him about it. Mm -hmm. So we, we and that to me is that that's my big issue. Listen, I'm not a get off my lawn curmudgeon guy, but like <laughs> this this whole deal with like tech in in the training and like oh auto regulation and he's fatigued state and he's like yes so what yeah so you're okay go this is going to hurt more today right you know what I mean but we at the and the same deal at the the root of, you know, wearable tech and are you recovered and recovery-based training and all that is comfort. Mm -hmm. The root of it is comfort because honestly, you know, it, it, the fact that like performance is really being threatened, we don't, we rarely get to that state. Yeah. You know, especially yep. in power sports. Most people, maybe, you know, ultra marathoners are like, hey, you need to actually eat because this is an actual, you will physiologically fall apart. Where most of mm -hmm. us are eating because we are uh, psychologically hungry, but not physiologically hungry. Right. You know, so... We got to make sure we got to be very discerning with this, with, with tech. It's like, oh, we're fatigued, back everything off. And it's like, no, adapt. Yeah. Deal with it. And not to because, mention and, how, and yeah. And not to mention how often that stuff is just wrong anyways, because it's technology. Right. You know? uh, right. I heard, I heard sure. uh, Kelly Starrett tell a story that he was working with. Um, I think she's a, a cyclist that he said is she's just young and she's like, kicking everybody's butt on the world stage and she's wearing like a whoop or something like that. And mm -hmm. like day of heavy training session, she wakes up and the thing says you had like 52% recovery. You need to take it easy today. And she looked right at him. She's like, Nope, that's wrong. I feel fine. We're going to go like, you know, sometimes they're just, you know, we, yeah. we rely on the numbers right. or this external thing instead of how we're actually feeling and just overcoming that. Like you said. Yes. 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 And then like, what is the point of training if not to overcome? <laughs> like, that's right. kind of why we're there. But now, because it's hard, we're inventing ways to tell us it's okay not to overcome. We're inventing, we're paying massive amounts of our budget to show, hey, you know, now, this is, and I get it, I'm, this is a, uh, an easy, you know, low-hanging shot at something, because there are people that, you know, I had a I had a conversation with Tommy Moffat and he was like, the kid's 
force plate numbers were were dropping and so was his bar speed and all that. And the only thing that we hadn't tried yet was he needed more training. And so they did that and it went up. And mm. so I was like, thank you. It's not always, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, we need more nap pods and come on, man. <laughs> like, you know, so there is, we just, I'm just saying, don't throw, don't throw away your, your perch or whatever you have. That's not what I'm telling everybody to do. Don't throw away your Apple watch and your whoop man, but just have some discernment. That's all I'm saying. And, and humans in general, I mean, especially athletes, but humans in general are far more uh, resilient and That's able right. to handle a lot more than they think they can just in, you know, just in any case, uh, it doesn't even have to be an athlete, but you, people would, very likely be surprised at how much load and volume they can actually handle when it comes to even something like training, but anything else, but just in the training example, for sure. Yeah. But you said it, we're as resilient as we think we are. Right. Yes. So the key. <laughs> we are, we are just as like, we're as, we're as, we're as hungry as we think we are. We're as tired as we think we're as stressed as we think we are. We're as anxious as we think we are. Because everywhere you go, there you are. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Uh, you know, it's it's that that to me that stuff's fascinating. So it's like, no, we don't need to adjust training. We need to adjust the way you think about training. Mm. Yeah, and then we're good. Yep, so. totally. I love it. Uh, I want to talk about man-child media a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about it in general, because I, I mean, I, I follow the Instagram page and I've watched some of the videos and stuff and I like it, but I want to know how that started. Like, where did that come from? Okay. So it started the year, uh, 2019 was my, my, everybody else's, my 2019 was everybody else's 2020 is the way okay. I put it. Uh, so, um, I had left Marshall university to go to the university of Colorado um, and I won't get into all the details because I signed a thing that said I would never do that. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a it was a horrific situation because I, uh, I, I this is another layer of diving into love and stuff. Is the opposite of love isn't hate. It's it's fear. The nastiest, terrible things I've ever done to somebody or said to somebody was I was afraid. And we'll tear each other apart. An animal will attack you if it's afraid, not because it hates you. And so uh, that, that's what I did. Is, uh, and that's what was done to me. And instead of being like children uh, in, in all the good ways of being earnest and, and just, hey, I need help with this and I'm scared of this. Or, you know, you know I, think, I think you can help me build this. To, we could do this together. Do you want to play with me like a child? Mm -hmm. we, nobody did that. And we were men in all the wrong ways. We were prideful and we were arrogant and we were spiteful. Uh, and we, and if it was a drug deal, we would have shot each other in the face, basically what it was. Um, and so I said, you know, the, we need, I, we, we acted like, like a man child. I said, but what if we did it in a way um, that was, that was the both, the best of both. Mm. You know, we were strong and we were honest and we were we were hard when we needed to be, and we were tough like like men should be. But when we but we were we were soft answered, and we were we were we were open, and we were vulnerable when we needed to be like children. Um, and so that was where the name Man Child came from. And it, it, it basically, it's like a media project of just I wanted to chase down people 
um, and stories and, and write down, write out thoughts and small little articles and then eventually make little branded gear and shirts mm-hmm. and things like that, that just are, are tips of the hat to this idea of the essential need to struggle for what you want to do this side of heaven or hell is it's going to be a struggle uh, to to be the best best of a man or a woman to be the best of what you what you should be as a child uh, struggle is it is it is inevitable um, and you even if you're even if you're doing something you hate that's a struggle in itself because you hate it so we came up with this sort of mantra of, of, of struggle well. And then, and so the idea is what would you, so the whole deal is it, man child is a media project and brand that is uh, geared towards the person you thought you'd be by now when you were in the backyard mm-hmm. and you weren't asking permission for uh to be Indiana Jones or to be Batman or to be a cowboy. You just went out and you were that guy. And and then you made mistakes and, and got your, you know, stubbed your toe or, 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 or pinched your finger with your, with your fake gun or whatever, like I used to do. <laughs> and you learned along the way, but you, you never felt like you had to ask permission to go be who you wanted to be. But somewhere along the line, we, we, we start making little deals and, oh, I better just take this job. It is a good job. Or I better, you know, this is my hometown and I don't want to leave my family. And so we don't live where we don't, we don't live where we want to live or we dream about living. We don't do what we want to do or dream about doing and we're miserable for it. So struggle is inevitable. You're going to struggle because you hate every decision you've made, mm-hmm. or you're going to struggle because it's really, really hard to go do all the things that you dream about doing. So just go do the second part and go that struggle. Well, like it's, a, I don't have the money for it. Well, it's because you spent money on other things. Like don't, don't own as much stuff. Don't have, <laughs> don't, if you want to do it enough, sell your car, you can do it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I could never afford to go to Europe or whatever. I, I well, if you want to go enough, it's just you don't want it enough. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to I wanted to tr- track down people that are li- that are that are doing life big, big living experiences, and then tell their struggles well story. How'd you build this lifestyle out? Because I think the easiest way to 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 give yourself a free pass of why you're not living the life you want is you think you're disqualified from that. Well, you know, I could never be a fisherman that travels all over the globe and chase you know, and then I meet the guy and he's not some like trust fund kid with, and just gets to do whatever he's like, no, I took on a guiding service and I learned how to do that. And then I, worked in the service industry and worked in hotels. And it's like, Oh, so you don't have any money. Yeah. But I get to do whatever I want to do. You know? So uh, so you hear everybody like, well, it was horrifically hard to do this. But you know, when we just like the Instagram post and then say, must be nice. Well, don't, don't nullify how hard it was for that person to be able to post that picture because you, yeah, you get to, you get to count yourself out. Because you just say, well, it must be nice. I'll never be able to do that. No, you're, you, you're not willing to do what that person did to mm-hmm. do that. And that's why you don't get to take that picture and post it on Instagram. And you're following them. They're not following you. 
so I think that's the same deal in football or in any sport. Our obsession with talent is we like to believe that God sprinkled a little bit more fairy dust on one guy because why, that, that's the only thing that would make us feel okay with why that person's having so much more success and we're not. Mm. Because otherwise... I might have something to do with my lack of success. And that's just way too hard of (laughs) truth to swallow. So let's just call it talent. You know, (laughs) so there's a lot of that too, man. I love that. So that's, that's, that's what I I, I want to just dig into all those things, the things that we're pretending and, and we're not really being honest with ourselves about that. That's, that's what man child's all about. All of those struggles. The this I love this the terms or the phrase struggle well too because it makes me think yeah. that when and this example comes from uh, Stephen Ranella who runs Meat Eater and he was talking yes. about I and, love Stephen Ranella he was talking about an episode one time they're on the mountain and he was telling this story that he said you know the worst experiences or like the in, in, at the time what I thought were the worst experiences. <laughs> are the ones that I remember the most fondly when I'm looking back yeah. on them. Cause he said, nobody goes back and remembers like this time when they were 11, like, Oh, I remember that roller coaster we went on. It was great. And like, whatever. And like, that's not the stuff you remember. It's the, do you that's remember right. when we were in Alaska for two weeks and it was a zero degrees and it was cold and we didn't see a single animal the whole time, man, that was the best trip ever. <laughs> like that, the, the struggle part of it is actually what makes it good when you're looking back on all these experiences. Man, there's, there's absolutely no doubt. And so, yeah, since since starting this kind of project and like really exploring uh, struggle and the idea of it, it's like really everything you want to do or learn or experience is on the other side of struggle. Mm-hmm. That's it. So the, the uh, yeah, I, Renella, he calls it dreaded fun. And that's what I like <laughs> yeah. to call like, that's like outdoor pursuits is it's really dreaded fun. Like tomorrow I have the opportunity to go fishing, but it's so hot here. They're only going to bite from like 5 a.m. to 8, mm-hmm. you know, and I got the day off. <laughs> it was it's, so it's like, I'm just like, ah, oh, I just, I do, I do, you know what I mean? But if yeah. I don't do it. I'm going to be like, you loser, like you piece of, like whatever. And then, but if, so it's going to come with another early morning, even though I don't have to do it. My wife is like, you do not have to go fishing, just sleep in. I'm like, you don't understand. I have to do it. So there's, there's this, like, there's these layers of like struggle that you got to be down with to get down to like the bone marrow of like, big, awesome experiences. And it, and it will always be easier to not do them. Always, Mm -hmm. always, but they will not be as good. I don't care if that's like your, your marriage, like it's easier to not talk about that thing that will make it nuclear for a day or two. But on the other side of it is a better marriage or, or for 20 years, you guys can just have a cold war with Mm -hmm. each other. You know, uh, mm-hmm. or you can just blow it up right now. And then if we survive this, things are going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, so it, there, we, everything is like that. Everything is like this. Like, you know, you I'm envious of you because, you, you know, you're out West and you can do some Western style hunting. But like to go out there and do it well, like 
man, you got to drop some money on the right gear. Like you got to do it. And it's easier like, well, I could just go out to a nice restaurant and have some money in my bank account or, you know, spend $700 on a bow and a backpack. And but once you're up, nobody thinks about it. once you're up there and you hear the elk bugling and you're on the top of the hill and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever, but it mm-hmm. came with a price financially, yeah. your time, effort, all of it. It, it just you got to be okay with the price. Absolutely. And it all, it's like the, the running weave of a theme throughout this whole conversation has been like discomfort, right? Uh, it and, really is, man. And that's all it's been about. It made me think when you were talking about the, just the concept of the, the name man child too, brought up this other example. There's a book uh, called Going Right by Logan Galbrick. He runs Deuce Gym out in Venice, California. Uh, pretty big, cool. pretty big, uh, you know, corporation at this point, but, uh, yeah. the whole, philo- the whole philosophy of the book is, is kind of like exactly what you were saying. We get to this point in our life where we refuse to do things that are challenging because we've worked into our mind that they're safe to not do those things. When in reality, the, the danger is in the thing that we're staying doing. Like if we're talking about yeah. someone leaving, like leaving a job, like you had mentioned to go do this thing that they actually really want to do rather than stay in this job that they don't like because it's safe because they get a paycheck. That's actually more dangerous than taking the leap and believing in yourself uh, because you have we're no idea. You have, you have no idea what's going to happen in this, but you know, the whole company could go under one day and you get the, and you let go. Now you've got, now you got to find a job or do something that you don't like again, rather than taking the time to build out this life that you do want and pursue that. And so that's the the name going right would is like referencing like NASCAR. Everybody always turns left in a NASCAR race mm, and going okay. around, the tr- going around yeah. the track, the same direction. And so we want to yeah. peel off yeah. and go to the right. And I just thought that was like such a cool, yeah. another analogy to the kind of the same thing that you were talking about with man child. No, you're, yeah, you're exactly. Yes. I like the idea of it's, it's way more dangerous if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. yeah, you might be, this might, t- this might be a total failure. And I've done that. I've crawled back home to my hometown twice with my tail tucked between my legs because of just failure and mm-hmm. running out of money and whatever. But it'd have been way worse if I never left. Mm. Way worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right on, man. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, what is, so, I mean, you're in, you are in the throes of getting ready for the season with all the off season right now. So does, yeah. does, yeah. uh, does man child get much work done in it right now? Like, what are you kind of imagining for this? Or like, is it just like a little side hobby kind of thing or what kind of plans do you have for it? I it's, I'm, it's certainly not getting the attention it's, it needs to right. actually grow, but, I I'm, I'm doing enough to keep it like alive. Like yeah. it's on, it's on life support basically. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. to be honest with you, and this you, you sneak peek here is the reason why I'm here at Sornex is like, we're going to start printing the man child stuff here. Nice. Um, the shirts and all of that. So that's, that's kind of what I was meeting that's about awesome. right now. So that, all that stuff's going to go back like live the struggle well shirts and grit and all of those types of things that we talked about. And then just some more creative projects in with these guys, with Bert and with Sorenex and Sorenex mm-hmm. Outdoors and those types of things. And then, you know, we just 
we got a few more episodes in the can uh, with the Manchild podcast, and it's just gonna, it's gonna like a slow, slow groundswell. I'm not mm-hmm. trying, not trying to make money with it. Yeah, I just want it to exist, and I want people to be able to relate to it, and and hopefully it provides some clarity and some mm-hmm. some life decisions or or ways about navigating your life and how to think about it. And then, you know, I like, I like to create things. It's an, it's an outlet. I like to create, you know, I can't do it myself, but I, the ideas with an artist or with a graphic designer and and make some shirts that represent those types of things. And, and how can we do it and make it cool for somebody else? I remember during, during quarantine, there's a, uh, she's a red fishing guide. She was um, in uh, Galveston, Texas. Um, and, you know, she couldn't work because nobody was allowed to go and do those types of recreational things. They weren't, they shut the ramps down. And so we made this shirt because, you know, everybody with that phrase, essential work was lonely. And we got to make this, this shirt and on the front pocket or front breast, it said, you know, struggle is essential. Mm. And so on the back, and what we meant was the experiences, because like I went red fishing, on, chasing red fishing in, in Florida on, with a fly rod, which is something I always wanted to do and just got totally annihilated <laughs> by the fish, by the guide. Just horrible, horrible. It was not like, oh, that guy's got it, like, you know, posing with the fly rod over your shoulders and holding it up and gripping grin and looking like a hero on Instagram. It was total, total failure, just getting screamed at by the guide about being so bad at it. And it was, but it was essential to getting better at fly fishing and in, yeah. and, and getting out. Are you there? I am. Dude, you're not going to believe what just happened. <laughs> I, I, I can't even make up what just happened. So I was sitting there with the phone on the dashboard, and the thing got so hot, it just shut off. Phone down. <laughs> and it just turned off. It was like emergency. The phone is overheating. I'm really sorry. Oh, All right. no worries. So you can choose to edit this out. Yep. But I remember where I was. Okay. okay so. I'm like, I got it. You know, if I wouldn't have gone out and done that, I have no idea if I'm, if how to get better at fly fishing or how to ever catch a redfish or how to do any of that. So we made this t-shirt and the back of it was, and, and, and she used to have a handle and I think she's since shut the Instagram account down, but her name was Casey Bones. And she, she's on a polling, like skiff, technical polling skiff. And we made her like this, like skeleton hula girl. (laughs) because she's Casey Bones and she's, she is the guide to, and, and my son is like one of our alternative logos to man child. And he's got a little cowboy hat on and the man child like cowboy is uh, he's got a little tear. Uh, He's smiling, but he's got a little tear coming out of his eye and it's based off of, I got a lot of layers to this story here, Mm -hmm. but it's based off of, um, he was, we put him in a rodeo to ride sheep and he got like, he got thrown off the thing so hard. He caught, he broke his fall with his own mouth. So he gets up and is just 
blood, his mouth's bleeding, and he's like, and I go, smile, because he's got the phone, he's trying to be a tough cowboy, and he smiles through these, like, bloody teeth with a tear, like, welling up in his eyes, and I was like, that is, that's our logo. That's it's, it. It's the, that a man-child is, you've got tears in your eyes because it hurts so bad, but you're glad it happened, and you're still trying to smile through it. So we got the man-child on the front of the bow, trying to learn how to fly fish and Casey bones, the skeleton hula girl is guiding and pointing out where the fish is. And we got, we sold that shirt and got to give all of the money that we made from selling it to her during COVID. Oh, that's and awesome. So like, those are the types of things we want to do with mm-hmm. man child. There's some ideas of, we want to make some outdoor pursuit films. Mm. Um, we're trying to talk to some companies, talk, talk to sword X outdoor. And it is, you know, one of the ideas we have, and nobody steal this if you're listening to me, um, is to uh, we we want to we want I want to make a film called See the Sea, where you take kids that have never seen the ocean before and take them offshore fishing, and because really oh, what cool. you do when you show somebody a life experience that they've they've never gotten to experience, you're increasing their perspective as to what their life is what's possible for them. So those are the types of things, man, we want to do with man child. That's, that's what we're, that's what we're up to. It's just playing the long game between, yeah. you know, coaching in, yeah. in, in the SEC, which is pretty time consuming <laughs> yeah, and uh, still. You get about a, you get about a week every year that you're not doing something for football. If that. <laughs> oh, God. here you, um, you muted there for a second. Unmute. There we go. There we go. Um, that that's what that's about, and that's why you know as soon as it stops being fun or it's yeah. it's not creative, like one of the grosser things that has to happen, and I get it. Like if you're doing um, podcasting or stuff through social media or things online as a job, like you have to keep putting stuff out. Yeah, like you have to continue to. You know, it's a phrase of the world we live in now, pump out content. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like whether you have any good content to put out or not. And then I'm like, OK, well, um, this isn't a breadwinning endeavor. So let's only make things when it's worth being right. put out there. Let's not just put stuff out. for. So we're not following like the stuff that you're supposed to do to make it grow and get more followers in the fastest way and you know impressions or whatever that's called with (laughs) analytics and and instagram and all that because we're not just putting stuff out just to put stuff out because then it stops being altogether what we said it was going to be right you know i'm right hang on kids i can't go play with you because i'm writing an article about how important it is to go play with you (laughs) there's a a real issue there that was literally starting to happen and i was like all right i gotta pump the brakes the uh and that is the i mean part of just being a business owner in general like once a week, just wanting to burn the whole thing down and yeah. <laughs> be done with yes. it. But like, that's the the struggle that I with because I do virtually everything online. 
And yeah, so like with, with my coaching I, with the I podcast. I totally understand what and, you're doing. And so it's like yes. some days I literally just want to take all my technology and throw it careening off a cliff into the ocean, like never use anything with the screen ever again. But then I'm like, okay, but I can't do that because <laughs> I need, yeah. to, as much as I don't like it, I still need to use this as a tool. Yes. Like it doesn't need to be and all consuming, yes. you know? Yes. And it's too easy to dismiss it all. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and because they are powerful and, and good can come up. them. I think overall, I think Instagram is evil, uh, but I do think that good things can happen. And, you know, well, so overall, probably so is the world, but that doesn't mean we can't have a, a positive impact with people and, and mm-hmm. do it well. So throwing it away altogether, that's not the answer, <laughs> but especially how, you know, with you, you got to be careful because you'll just make yourself miserable having to be on a screen all the time. Exactly. And I'm learning that too. That's another that thing in the comfort crisis right now. And he starts talking about the phones. It's like, Oh gosh, it's gross. It's like, <laughs> yeah. if you don't think you're, I'm not addicted to my phone. I, okay. Well, when there's a notification, don't look at it. Right. You can do that. You're not addicted. <laughs> right. It's yeah. It's so much worse than people want to think that it is. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was, but the, people went to great lengths to make sure we're addicted to it. Yep. Exactly. The, uh, oh, man, what was the name of that documentary? Oh yeah. The, the social the ne- dilemma. There it was. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That one just like, yeah. if that doesn't just make you want to throw up, like watching that, it is, hard yes. to watch when you understand like the the psychology studying that went in behind the guy who created the like button on Facebook like the amount of all the stuff that they realized that they could do just by putting that in there and it's yes. yeah, it's horrifying this the the dopamine effect like the shot of what you get and how you get addicted to it and mm-hmm. and you just you can't it's a, it's the same uh, it's the same psychology was built into the the platforms of the apps as mm. as a slot machine. Yep. A slot machine. Yep. So you're waiting for that, oh big money, big money, that 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 dump, that dopamine dump. And so like I I, I was just talking to Bert Soren about it, is like so now okay, I've listened to a few chapters of the comfort crisis. So now I'm woke, right? Like <laughs> so I like I lock my phone. I lock my phone in the truck and I'm like, I'm going to go watch my kids fight football practice and I'm not going to be, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> overtaken by my phone looking right. at it the whole time. I'm not going to be distracted. And so I, I lock it in the car and I look around and I, I'm sorry. Instantly, I'm like judgmental of all the other parents. Look at these people <laughs> with their like 15 minutes before I was doing the exact same thing. It's been four so seconds. Lock, <laughs> it's been four seconds. And I've, oh yeah, by the way, I've reached into my pocket four times to like try to grab and look at it. Right. So it's disgusting. I'm totally, totally addicted. So I'm trying to start like weaning myself yeah. over one of the other things I thought was very, very interesting about the the comfort crisis is the essential need for boredom, like yes. why we need to get bored. Yes. And we don't get bored anymore. Like we've gone to great, great lengths to make sure we never get bored. And it's like the and it really blew my mind. He says, think about going basically boredom or the lack thereof. It's a like go to the gym. 
and you do a ton of dumbbell work, dumbbell press, dumbbell pull, dumbbell, you know, curl, press, lunges, and then you're done with your workout, but you, you never put them down. And you take them home and you still have them in your hand and you lay in bed and they're still in your hand. Like you, you're, that's a, you're, you're going to get hurt. Like you are over mm-hmm. now you've actually overtrained. Well, when you don't go dip into states of boredom, like your brain never rests the mm-hmm. way it needs to and rest to be able to think creatively to rest and think on a different wavelength to, to just boredom is essential. And so I'm trying to do every day. I'm, I'm on this right now, based off of this, this book. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get hungry, like actual, like mm-hmm. physical discomfort, hunger. And if you're an athlete and you're trying to gain weight, don't do that. But like <laughs> me, I don't need that. So like, I don't eat until you're actually like, Oh my goodness. Like I am physically uncomfortable how hungry I am. Like we don't, we hardly ever do that. So I'm I'm trying to do that at least once a day and then go to bed. This sounds simple. Not so much. Go to bed really, really tired. Right. Like we don't do that. We don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to go to bed tired and then I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do one thing a day. That's so hard that my brain tries to talk me out of doing it while I'm doing it. Ah, that's a good one. So whatever, it doesn't have to be like not every day can't be Masogi where you try something that's so horrifically hard that it almost kills you. But like every 15 minute, like a mini Masogi is what I'm calling it. I'm adopting the mini Masogi where it's so yesterday, like it was like we put a harness on with like five chains on it and we just we just went, you know, for like for 51 minutes. Just don't. And just imagine the, the, the deals you try to make with yourself to yep. stop yep. Is, is amazing. So do that. So be bored, get bored for a little bit every day. That means I've shut something down enough to where I get bored. I haven't done it yet. I'm way too overstimulated uh, today. You know, do, do something hard. Go to bed tired. Be hungry. That's, That's what I'm going to awesome. try to do every day. And the, That's the what I'm working on right the now. do something hard thing is cool because it doesn't have to be something that people would already make it like time based. It doesn't have to take like a ton of time for it. You'd want to talk right. yourself out of it. I have guys that were doing a 30 day that I'm coaching doing a 30 day cold shower challenge right now. Like, and you would imagine, or oh, maybe cool. you, yeah. you would, like you, the, the things that you will tell yourself to not stand in a cold shower for 30 seconds, you know, like that you would try yes. and talk yourself out of it for just well, that amount know, of time. That's very interesting because I I probably went like 30 days doing it, like right. getting taking a cold shower. And then like we went on like I got like a little mini break, like a little vacation and I stopped doing it. Like I'm like, you know what? Because whatever I told myself, I deserve to be comfortable. I'm not going to. Right. And now I can't get back to it. I can't. <laughs> like I'm like, screw that. Like every morning I'm like, you should, you know, start that with 30 seconds. Of and I'm like, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do it. And it's interesting. <laughs> it could be that it really is and i think we try to make it like well i need to don't wait till you build a garage gym right like just go yeah. walk in your neighborhood and if yeah. you walk long enough you're going to want to stop 
Yeah, so, exactly. You have to, at some point you're going to turn around and come home. So you're going to have to turn around and come home. So you got to go a certain distance anyways. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Awesome, man. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Luke. He actually had some technical issues. And so the thing got really glitchy there at the end and ended up dropping the call for a little bit. And so I just decided he was he was going over the links for his stuff. So I was just going to do the outro and, and make sure you guys got those links for Manchild and all the stuff that he's doing, which is awesome. So again, I really had a good time talking to Luke. There was just so much... Uh, passion and and what he talks about and everything that he was about with how he's bringing all of these new changes into the football program and and really going after the relationships of the the kids that he's working with that turn into, into men. And so the the links for Manchild Media, uh, the website is themanchildmedia.com. Go there. It's got the podcast, the articles. Uh, there's going to be some new apparel coming out soon, like he mentioned uh, in the episode. And then on Instagram, it's manchild underscore media. So go there and, and read his stuff, follow the stuff, support what he's doing. Uh, it's, a, it's a really great project. So it was, it was a pleasure to have him on. Uh, while you're here, before you take off, if you haven't gone to nomad-strength.com, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, make Make sure you're first in line when all the updates happen. There's going to be some huge announcements coming in this month of July. Uh, So get on that list so you can get those updates. So thank you all for listening. And I will catch you guys on Monday with the next interview show. (laughs) 